Welcome to the Mid-Atlantic Championship Podcast, the podcast that travels back in time to review classic episodes of Jim Crockett Promotions' Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling as it appears on the NBC Universal streaming service Peacock, as well as internationally on the WWE Network. My name is Mike Sempervivi. If you're out there listening and you want to follow along with us but don't have access to Peacock or the network, you can still do so by heading over to the mighty midatlanticgateway.com and checking out David Taub's reviews of these classic shows. The Mid-Atlantic Championship Podcast has social media on several platforms. By far, I am the most active on Twitter, but we have a Facebook, Instagram page, and more. Just search at Pod and look for the logo. We're also available on YouTube as well, youtube.com slash midatlanticpod, where you can find podcasts and other content exclusive to the page. Please subscribe, watch, and like the videos. It would be doing us a great service. And finally, we also have a Patreon, which you can find at patreon.com slash midatlanticpodcast. Now, with all of that out of the way, today in episode number 56, we take a look at the television that was taped on Wednesday, February 16th, 1983, at the WPCQ Studios Channel 36 in Charlotte, North Carolina, and began airing in local markets beginning that weekend of Saturday, February 19th, 1983. And as you may already know, the next three weeks of Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling between February 19th and March 5th, 1983, are not on the WWE Network or Peacock. The reasons? No one knows as any explanations as to why or how things are uploaded, or in this case, not uploaded, are made public. But via whoever originally recorded the shows in Richmond, Virginia off WTVR-TV Channel 6, way back when, I'll have some of the audio here for you, helping to give you context into what was taking place at the time. We're still on the road to Greensboro, and we'll have some very important updates on that. But in the last few weeks, we've seen the demise of the House of Humperdinck, at least when it comes to its leader. Manager Sir Oliver Humperdinck is exiting stage right, and as he does, number one Paul Jones has begun changing his look by acquiring a garish tuxedo and would soon take on some of Humperdinck's clients, as well as his feud with the boogie-woogie man Jimmy Valiant. But he's not gone quite yet. The show had begun with Valiant stopping by the podium to talk to Bob Cottle tape of Valiant's match against Hump's bounty hunter Terry Funk in Charlotte the previous Sunday played, which included the involvement of Jones. As Valiant cut his promo, Humperdinck, Dick Slater, Greg Valentine, and the one-man gang stormed the set, and before long, the group was beating down the boogeyman, and Humperdinck was cutting his hair. To stop the assault, a new face debuted to help free the boogeyman and explain his reasons for doing so. Valentine and Slater now are holding they're holding Valiant and cutting his hair and here is someone else now into the ruckus and we had a wild mayhem right here we started cutting cutting on the hair Hollering for 
is Fred, and they who had his luck trimmed right there some. Yes, Bugsy McGraw is here, up from Championship Wrestling from Florida. Or as McGraw claims, is down from New York City to help out his old friend. Joining forces with Valiant as Handsome continues to deal with Humperdinck. After a commercial break, we came back with Bob Cottle resetting the scene after that wild start, and he throws us to a very important update on the long-running situation between NWA World Tag Team Champions Sergeant Slaughter and Don Kernoodle and their arch-rivals Ricky Steamboat and Jay Youngblood. In the last few weeks, we've heard the announcement from local NWA official Sandy Scott declaring the champions would not be going on vacation in March, and instead would be putting up their titles against Steamboat and Youngblood one last time inside of a steel cage on March 12th in Greensboro. And now, we'll hear the contract signing, which came with one more sharp curve on this long road they've paved. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here today to witness the official signing of this contract for our Tag Team Championship of the World between the champions, Sergeant Slaughter and Don Canoodle, and the number one challengers, Jay Youngblood and Ricky Steamboat. All the conditions of the contract have been met. All fines have been paid. Is the special condition that we talked to you about with our lawyer in this contract at this time? Uh, yes, it is. May I see the uh, contract? Certainly. Not that I don't believe you. The uh, stipulation that we talked over with Sandy. Yes, this was one. It's all in there. It's okay. That's it. Go ahead. It's okay, son. I'll be more than happy to sign. Show the condition, please. Sure, anything you like. Excuse me, Mr. Scott. What condition are they talking about? Uh, the condition is, Ricky and Jay, if you lose this match, you will not wrestle as a tag team combination again. You mean if we, if we lose, we won't be able to wrestle again? As a combination. You mean if we lose this match, we won't be able to wrestle as a tie tag team combination together. Uh, that's the stipulation that they wanted. Could I have a minute to talk it over with Jay, please? Definitely. Take all the time you'd like. you got all day. This match will be held on March the 12th, Greensboro Coliseum. One fall. No time limit. The title will be up. A cage match and a special referee assigned by the NWA. What's the matter, Steamboat, young blood? Have you got enough confidence to sign a contract? Mr. Slaughter, it's not that uh, we're cowards. It's not that we don't have any confidence within this tag team combination, but a stipulation, a condition as strong as this one. we we got to realize if we don't win this match, we're our tag team combination is dissolved. It's finished. That's something that we had to talk about. But to answer your question, we're going to go for it. We're going to sign this contract. They never can wrestle as a team again if they don't defeat us, not only here, but all over the world. We understand that. Yes, we do. We understand that. Thank you very much. I want to wish both teams the best of luck on Saturday, March the 12th in Greensboro Coliseum.
So there it is. I don't know who Slaughter and Kernoodle's lawyer is, but they deserve some credit here for sticking that type of stipulation into the contract without the knowledge of Steamboat and Youngblood beforehand. Doesn't quite show the NWA office in the best of light, but we've certainly had situations like that before, haven't we? <clears throat> Wahoo McDaniel losing the U.S. title. <clears throat> But if you believe that stipulation was the only surprise left on this voyage, let me shock you again. Over the last several weeks, things have not been going quite right for Slaughter and Kernoodle. We've seen Steamboat and Youngblood break the grip of the Cobra Clutch finishing hold. We've had Ricky Steamboat somehow procuring the dress blazer of Kernoodle and baiting the former private into tearing it up. And we've heard from Sergeant Slaughter, who has been complaining about the fact that his drill sergeant campaign hat and whistle have also grown legs and disappeared. Has there been a conspiracy? There have been theories. But unlike most conspiracy theories spouted by unlikable heels, we find out that this one had merit. The reason why we're out here, ladies and gentlemen, is because we'd like to thank two people personally for helping us in this quest of the World Tag Team Championship. First, I'd like to bring out Mr. John Weaver. John, we'd like to thank you personally on TV for helping us. Well, thank you very much, Ricky. Uh, it's just a small bit I could do to help you because uh, I know we want to see you guys get the titles. I think Noodle and Slaughter have had them for a long time, and a lot of us feel the same way. as It's been a black eye for wrestling that they've had the world titles. Uh, I know you guys are ready for it. I've worked out with you. In fact, I even brought a group of guys down there and worked right, out with you. Right. And shot at you from all sides, and you didn't know which way, how many guys were coming or which way you are coming for. I think it sharpened your timing, your yes, coordination. You guys are ready for Go for it. Thank, Thank you, John. Thank you. And ladies and gentlemen, I know for the past several weeks that Jason and myself have been talking about a conspiracy. We've been talking about a conspirator. We've been talking about a man behind the lines, behind the scenes. Somebody that's been helping us out a great deal. And everybody wants to know who he, this man is, especially Sergeant Slaughter and Darn Canoodle. Would Mr. Jim Nelson come out here, please? Attention, Marcus! And I'm talking to you, Private Gomer Slaughter and Mighty Major Canoto. Yeah, the World Tag Team Champions. You're real great, and you're real stupid, too. You never thought it was me, did you, Slaughter? Yeah, I got, I got your hat. I tore your coat off, Canoto. I got your whip, and I got your whistle. And if you want it, you better come get it, because I got sick and tired of you pushing me around, driving your limousine everywhere, taking you out to eat. You eat steaks, and if I wanted something, you something at a 7-Eleven. I got sick and tired of it, and I went to Ricky Steamboat and Jay Youngblood after you purposely put him out of wrestling, and I said, I want to get Sergeant Slaughter, and I'll do anything to get him. I'll show you the Cobra Clutch. I'll show you how to give the Slaughter cannon properly, and I'll show you how to break that Cobra hold, and that's exactly what I did. And they promised that they would help me get you, Sergeant Slaughter, get you in the ring and give you the beating of your life you deserve. Nobody says that to me. I don't owe you nothing no more. And I'm going to get you, Slaughter. And these guys are going to get those World Tag Team belts because I'm going to see to it. You're talking about somebody can do push-ups and can run. These guys can do it. No more for me, buddy. You know something, ladies and gentlemen? We just brought it all out in the open. We'll see you, Slaughter. Canoodle, March the 12th in Greensboro. You reap what you sow. As you heard, Private Jim Nelson was tired of being abused by his superior and being passed by as he watched his former Mid-Atlantic Tag Team Championship partner, Don Kernoodle, get preferential treatment. Yep, Jim Nelson was the mole on the inside that's been helping to even the playing field for Steamboat and Youngblood. 
man, <laughs> for a show that is, hasn't had one match on it as of yet, we've had ourselves a full day already. If that doesn't get you to come out to buy tickets, I don't know what will. But lucky enough to hard sell you, here's Big Bill Ward letting the greater Richmond area know what will be taking place very soon. There will be some tea leaves we'll be reading too, but here's Big Bill and his guests. Fans, check your local listings for the times of exciting TV wrestling next week. Big Card, Washington and Lee High School Gym in Montrose, Virginia on Friday, March the 4th. A great card at the Culpeper Junior High School Gym tonight at 8.15. Ninja, Dick Slater. You'll also see the one-man gang, Dizzy Hogan, Jimmy the Voodoo Man Valiant, Rowdy, Roddy Piper, and others. Spectacular card at the Richmond Coliseum on WRNL Radio Night. Friday, March 18th, gigantic battle royal, plus six-man tag team, one-man gang, Sarlamahop Dick, Dick Slater, against Jimmy the Voodoo Man Valiant, Ricky Steamboat, Jay Youngblood. For the world's title, Rick Flair is challenged by Greg Valentine. Well, you know something, Bill? I'm not really challenging Ric Flair. I am just challenging the world championship. That is the ultimate goal of every professional wrestler is to become the world champion. Now, I've made statements that I want to be the greatest United States heavyweight champion of all time. Well, I've already done that, and I've proven that, taking on all opponents. But you know something? Ric Flair is a good friend of mine. I don't want to have to wrestle him, but he is the man that's on top of the mountain. He is the man that's got the gold around his waist. I've beaten Ric Flair in the past, but I've also been a very good friend of his in the past. And Flair, it comes down to the wire. That's exactly where the friendship is going to end. Money. That's all I want is money, and I want the world championship. Let's call in the world champion, Ric Flair. Well, it's very understandable that Valentine would like to be where I am. Every athlete in the world would like to say he's the best. I'm the world champion. That makes me the best. Friendship goes out the window, Valentine. We're going to be in Richmond. You want this. I own it. I'll see you in Richmond, Daddy. Let me remind you now of the supercard of wrestling at Colonial Heights Gym on Thursday, March 3rd. Red Dog Lane against Jerry Briscoe. TV title, Mike Rotundo taking on Jack Briscoe. And for the world tag team title, the champion, Sergeant Flaud and Don Canodal against Johnny Weaver and Private Nelson. You know, after what I just saw about Private Nelson, if you're coming to Colonial Heights, March 3rd, go ahead and watch Red Dog Lane and Jerry Briscoe. It'll be a great match, a great scientific match for the TV title, Micro Tunnel and Jack Briscoe. But if you're coming to see a wrestling match, well, we step in the ring against Johnny Weaver and Private Nelson. Don't look for it. It's going to be a brawl. If you don't like blood, don't be there. There we heard from Big Bill Ward. Tonight, February 19th in Culpeper, Virginia, March 3rd in Colonial Heights. March 4th in Montrose, and a really big one coming up March 18th at the Coliseum in Richmond, as we heard from Greg Valentine, Rick Flair, Sergeant Slaughter, and Don Kernoodle. So, Valentine and Flair have been known as the dream team for most of their existence together inside Jim Crockett Promotions, going back to the mid-70s. But they've also been on opposite sides as well, including only two years prior when Valentine would help Gene Anderson's army along with Roddy Piper break Flair's nose. But recently, things have been going well between the two. Valentine is the United States champion, Flair the world heavyweight champion, and the pair had joined forces less than two months ago to smash Piper's face into the concrete, rubbing it all over the studio floor. Hmm. Wonder how these two big egos will function together soon, but I digress. What was not noted here, because Richmond is 200 miles northeast of Greensboro, is that another Valentine Flair match was also being booked, 
for the Greensboro Coliseum on March 12th, title versus title. But back to this week, once the commercials ended, we would finally get our first match of the day, former NWA World Heavyweight Champion Jack Briscoe against Ken Timms. The calm of an actual wrestling match allowed Bob Cottle to finally run down what else we'd be seeing on today's program, which includes Mike Rotundo Wrestling, as well as Dory Funk Jr. and Dick Slater teaming up. Briscoe made short work of Tim, submitting him in 2 minutes 54 seconds with the figure 4 leg lock. During the match, Bob Cottle noted Paul Jones' interference in last Sunday's match between Jimmy Valiant and Terry Funk, as well as Jones still being target number one for Briscoe, who lost his Mid-Atlantic title to Dory Funk Jr. due to Jones's interference. After a commercial, we came back with Bob interviewing Mid-Atlantic television champion Mike Rotundo, who's been having his problems with the House of Humperdinck's Dory Funk Jr. and Dick Slater. Rotundo talks about his relationship with Jack Briscoe, who joins in and expresses his admiration for Rotundo and his dislike of Paul Jones and Humperdinck's men. During last week's show, Bob Cottle revealed a new manager in the area that was not named Paul Jones. It was Gary Hart. And when we came back from another commercial break, Hart joined Bob and talked a little about his plans. Last week you had an opportunity to meet this gentleman right here, uh, and we're going to introduce him again, Gary Hart. Gary, have you had any luck in getting the great Zabuki back into the country? As I said, I have my attorney working on it in the great Kabuki within a very short period of a matter of a few weeks will be back into the United States of America and very possibly here in the Mid-Atlantic area in the very near future. All right, now last week you said you were here, you wanted to look at the talent, you thought you might sign, you had your checkbook as a matter of fact, that's the way you put it. I got my checkbook and I'm ready to sign some. Have you had any luck so far with that? Well, there's one gentleman here that I'm very interested in, this young man up in the ring at the present time, Mike Rotunda. I made him an offer that I did not think that he could refuse. The man didn't even have the common decency, Bob, to give me a yes or a no. He more or less left me hanging. And remember, Rapunda, you put me out on a limb, I put you out on a limb. But when I put you out on a limb, brother, I cut the limb off and you will fall down. I do not like it when in good faith I try to do business and then some young upstart that could be great, he's listening too much to Jack and Jerry Briscoe. His favorites. Well, if he wants to succeed in wrestling, he better listen to a man such as myself, someone that is very wise in the ways of wrestling. If he wants to make top dollar, if he wants to keep that TV title, he better listen to me. And if he don't, I may have to take it upon to myself to impress you that I do not play games and I don't like it when people do not give me a honest yes or no. He's talking about Mike Rotundo, of course, fans, and Rotundo's up in the ring right now. So let's, let's go up go to the, the ring. ring. Yeah, let's go up to the ring, Gary, and watch this young man in action right here, Mike Rotundo, as we're going to watch him against the big one, Rick Harris. So there we hear that the great Kabuki, or according to Bob, the great Zabuki, would be making his way into the area. Not only that, the offer that Hart made to help guide the career of young Mike Rotundo was left twisting in the breeze by the Syracuse alum, which obviously bruised the ego of Hart. The devious manager would stick around for the next match, which, as you heard, just happened to have Rotundo in it, facing off against Rick Harris. As Gary Hart talked about everything Rotundo lacked, which he could help with, the TV champ dominated the affair, the finish coming when Harris attempted to pile driver, but Rotundo went for a backdrop. Harris held on for a sunset flip, but Rotundo rolled through and wrapped up Harris for the pin in 7 minutes and 14 seconds. 
It was then time for our next batch of localized promos, and as you may have noticed during the first round of spots, Mid-Atlantic Television Champion Mike Rotundo was announced as facing Jack Briscoe coming up on March 18th in Richmond. Ever since he's entered the area, Jack Briscoe and his brother Jerry have been righteous and upstanding babyfaces, always helpful to the locker room around them. I noted the interview earlier with Rotundo and Briscoe where there was a little bit of a mutual admiration society. This time around, though, from the sounds of it, that level of chivalry from the former All-American Briscoe would soon be dead. Big card, Washington and Lee High School Gym in Montrose, Virginia, on Friday, March the 4th. You'll also see a great card at the Culpeper Junior High School Gym tonight at 8.15. Ninja, Dick Slater, One Man Gang, Dizzy Hogan, Jimmy the Boogoo Man Valiant, Rowdy Rowdy Piper and others. Spectacular card, Richmond Coliseum on WRNL Radio Night, Friday, March 18th. You're going to see a gigantic battle royal for six-man tag team wrestling. One-man gang, Sarlava Humperdinck, Dick Slater, against Jimmy the Boogoo Man Valiant, Ricky Steamboat, Jay Youngblood, and also for the world's title, Rick Flair against Greg Valentine. Six-man combination, one-man gang, Sir Oliver Humperdinck, Dick Slater, Jason, myself, and one more member of our family. Start the music. Here we go. All right, baby. All right. Let me tell you what you do, brother. See my brother right here. I love you, brother. Rich, listen to me. Rich, but we're going to stop. We're going to stop Humperdinck before he gets his people back together. Right there, the house is no more. And it ain't going to be no more. We've got a supercard of wrestling coming up at Colonial Heights High School Gym on Thursday, March 3rd. Red Dog Lane taking on Jerry Briscoe, TV title Mike Rotundo meeting uh, Jack Briscoe, and for the world's tag team title, Sergeant Slaughter, Don Canodal, against Johnny Weaver and Private Nelson. Here's the TV champion, Mike Rotundo. You know, Bill, I'm putting up this belt, this championship TV belt, against a man that I admire very much, and I wish, want to wish you the best of luck, Jack, because I know it's going to be a heck of a wrestling match, one that the people will really enjoy, because both Jack and I have uh, been holders of belts in this area, and this belt's very important to me, and I just want to wish him all the luck in the world because I know he's going to be fighting for it, too. Yeah, I'm going to come out there. I'll be firing for that belt, uh, Syracuse Flash. And let me tell you something. When it comes down to a championship, that time friendship goes out the door, all right? We told you. You're going to see the world's tag team title, Sergeant Slaughter and Don Canodal against Johnny Weaver and Private Nelson. Well, this might be a strange combination, but the word's already out. Slaughter, you're trapped. You know why. Jim, you don't owe him nothing. He did stuff for you, you did plenty for him. You thought about the war, the war has just begun, right, Jim? You better believe it. And Johnny Weaver says that he, he can trust me and I trust him. And Sergeant Slaughter, I'm going to embarrass you and put that Cobra clutch on him and put you out. And he'll put the sleep on Canoto. Those belts might be gone. Your back's against the wall. Be ready. There we heard from Ricky Steamboat, Jay Youngblood, Jimmy Valiant, Jack Briscoe, Mike Rotundo, Johnny Weaver, and Private Nelson. And dismissing Private Nelson firmly entrenching himself on the side of good for a moment, man, Jack Briscoe certainly seemed like he was talking at Mike Rotundo and not to Mike Rotundo there, eh? Syracuse Flash? Keep our eyes on that. Because much like Ric Flair and Greg Valentine's situation, I have a feeling this deal with Rotundo and Briscoe is certainly something that we're going to have to note as the weeks move forward. It was then time for our final scheduled match, which saw Dick Slater and Dory Funk Jr. taking on the team of Frank Monty and a new face in the area, a very young man by the name of Ricky Morton. Yes, that Ricky Morton, the future Rock and Roll Express member Ricky Morton. 
The second generation star had spent the two previous years or so mainly teaming up with Ken Lucas across Arkansas, Oklahoma, and Texas for both Tri-State Wrestling and Southwest Championship Wrestling, in addition to applying his trade at home in Tennessee. Paul Jones joined Bob Cottle on commentary, and the two talked about Dory's $100,000 offer to anyone who could pin him, as well as Slater's aggressiveness. As they did, it became obvious to the fans watching, both at home and in the studio, that something was special about the young plucky babyface that was teaming with Monty. The finish of the match came when Morton made a hot tag to Monty, who was not able to sustain his offense. Slater blind-tagged himself in, and shortly thereafter used an assisted Samoan drop to pin Monty in 6 minutes and 8 seconds. After the bout, the World Tag Team Champions finally joined the show to give their two cents on the contract signing, as well as their Benedict Arnold, Private Nelson. And right now, with us here at ringside, the World Tag Team Champions, here's the belt. Here are the champions, Sergeant Slaughter and Don Cardotal. And earlier, the fans saw the signing of the match with Rick Steamboat and Jay Youngblood. And also, we heard from Steamboat and Youngblood. And I think it's time now we hear from the champions. Well, you're going to hear from the champions, all right. We'd just like to say that we were very happy to have signed this match in a cage. March 12th in Greensboro Coliseum against Ricky Steamboat and Jay Youngblood. There'll be a special NWA referee appointed for the match. There'll be no rules. Everybody knows what happens in a cage match. And the titles are on the line. But we came up with a little condition that they fell right into the trap. You fell right into the trap, Timo Youngblood. If they don't defeat us for the championships on March 12th in Greensboro, they'll never wrestle as a team, not only against us, but all over the world. And we plan on doing just that, getting them out of our hair. After that match, we won't have to worry about them anymore. You've got to beat them, though, Sergeant Cole. We're going to beat them. We're going to beat them. We're going to beat them because we have a plan. We didn't go into this thing without a plan. And I'd just like to say to you, Private Nelson, if I could call you Private Nelson anymore, I still can't believe what I saw. You are the one. Nelson, I think you've been watching too many movies. Too many TV shows. When I give you a leave of absence, that doesn't mean that you go AWOL. That doesn't mean that you go to movie theaters with your girlfriend. That doesn't mean you go get pokey bait and have popcorn and go to slop shoots. It means that you get down and do some push-ups and work hard and think about wrestling. My friend, you ask me. You ask me to take you under your wing, to be your guidance, to make you a champion, which I did. I made you and Don Cronodo one, one champion, a mid-Atlantic champion. But now, I don't know what's happening. You think that's going to bother us? We have some upcoming matches with the Briscoes. We have them with all kinds of combinations. The funk, it makes no difference to us who we're wrestling because we're on the march for March 12th in Greensboro. Nobody, nobody's going to stop us. Isn't that right, Don Cronodal? That's exactly right. Thanks for the quick thinking of Sergeant Slaughter and myself. We got Young Buddy Steamboat right where we want him. We're going to dissolve the team once and for all. And for you, Private Nelson, I always knew you was no good. And you're going to pay too. March the 12th in Greensboro, the beginning of the end for Steamboat Youngblood and the World Tag Team Champion Slaughter Cronodal will reign forever. That's right, Nelson. This age. 
the officer and the gentleman. It's more like Sergeant Carter and Gomer Pyle, and we know who's who. All right, fans, that's the story right there. The march to March 12th is on, less than a month away. The final conflict, slaughtering Kernoodle against Steamboat and Youngblood, so close, yet still so far away. You just heard from the champions there. The look on Bob's face when Slaughter says that Nelson was on leave playing pokey face and swapping juice with his girlfriend at the movies was something else, but that did not end the day on Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling. After the champions wrapped up, Paul Jones stepped back into the scene and referred to what you may have heard the fans chirping about in the background. Apparently, during the last match, Ricky Morton really got under the skin of Dory Funk Jr., so we ended up getting an impromptu match between the two. Here's how it went down. Paul Jones, right? You know, we got something going up there in the ring. What? Dory, a great man that Funk is. He wants to take on this, this one guy by himself. He wants to teach him a lesson, and he's going to do it in a few minutes. And I guarantee you one thing. You've had it, boy. This man, Dory Funk Jr., is going to cripple you. The best thing you can do, the best thing you can do is leave. Not only leave the building, leave the whole country. Here we are, up there in the ring. Rick Morton. Rick Morton. Dory Funk Jr. Ring the bell, and they're going to wrestle up there. And there you heard the bell, and it was on. Dory came out aggressive, firing European uppercuts and tossing Morton to the floor. As Morton recovered, Jones was screaming at him, and we saw close-ups of the struggling Morton trying to recover, the type of scene that would become legendary only mere years later. Morton and Funk would go tit-for-tat with Morton taking the champion's best and kicking out of everything, including suplexes and pile drivers. Finally, for a second time, a frustrated Funk would send Morton barreling to the floor, where Dick Slater would then get involved. Finish him off, Dory! Finish him off! This could be the pile driver, it is. Can he get up after the pile driver? Yes. Only two again. This young man right here showing you what he's made of. Dory let him up. He just wants to punish him. And again, here is Punk. Uh, again, only a, a two count. That's it, Dory. We're going to have to leave the air. And Paul, he throws him through the ropes and out of the ring, and there's. Unfortunately, we don't get to hear them brawl through the credits, but hey, you know, that's one of the things that comes with VHS tapes that happen to be 40 years old, you know? It was a different time then, kids, you know? You needed to save room, you had a, an automatic cut. There could have been plenty of reasons why, but bottom line is the match went three and a half minutes before Slater's interference, which led to referee Tommy Young calling for the bell, and the show going off the air. So that wraps up the main portion of the proceedings for today, but it's certainly not the end of our show. As always, after Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling, Worldwide Wrestling was taped next, and here's what viewers of that show would see. The one-man gang defeated Frank Monty. Jack Briscoe beat Bill White. Mike Rotundo went to a no contest with Johnny Weaver. And Dick Slater and Dory Funk Jr. topped Ron Rossi and Ricky Morton. And now let's take a look around the area and see what this upcoming week will bring. Let's take time for this commercial message about the Mid-Atlantic Wrestling events coming up in your area. We begin one day after the television was taped on Thursday, February 17th in Lancaster, Virginia at the high school. We don't have any results, but we do have the top matches on the card. 
Sergeant Slaughter and Don Cronoodle against Jimmy Valiant and Mike Rotundo, Jack Briscoe against the One Man Gang, and Jerry Briscoe against Private Nelson. The next night, February 18th at the Richmond Coliseum, Jack and Jerry Briscoe defeated Sergeant Slaughter and Don Cronoodle by disqualification, Dick Slater beat Roddy Piper, and Jimmy Valiant beat the One Man Gang. Also on Friday the 18th, at County Hall in Charleston, South Carolina, Johnny Weaver and Tommy Gilbert beat Gene Anderson and Larry Lane, Dory Funk Jr. battled Sweet Brown Sugar to a no contest, and Ricky Steamboat and Jay Youngblood defeated Greg Valentine and Terry Funk. We don't have results for Saturday, February 19th in Newberry, South Carolina, but the card looked like this. Vinnie Valentino faced off against Masafuchi, Greg Valentine faced Sweet Brown Sugar, and the Briscoes were set to take on Ricky Steamboat and Jay Youngblood. Also on Saturday, part of the crew was in Culpeper, Virginia at the high school gym. We don't even have a card for that one. But Sunday was a big day across the entire span of the territory and its spheres of influence. In the afternoon at the Greensboro Coliseum, Larry Lane beat Ricky Morton. Dizzy Hogan and Larry Lane defeated Ricky Harris and Bill White. Jack Briscoe defeated Paul Jones. Dick Slater defeated Jerry Briscoe. Jimmy Valiant beat the one-man gang in a New York street fight. Ricky Steamboat and Jay Youngblood defeated Ric Flair and Greg Valentine. And in the main event, Sergeant Slaughter and Don Cronoodle defeated Terry Funk and Dory Funk Jr. That night in Columbia, South Carolina at the Township Auditorium, a special Sunday night show was held. In the main event, Jack and Jerry Briscoe defeated Dory Funk Jr. and Larry Lane. Originally, the match was scheduled to be the Briscoes against the Funks, but as we'll hear in a moment, Terry was needed elsewhere. Also on the show... Dick Slater upended Mike Rotundo to win the Mid-Atlantic television title. The boogie-woogie man Jimmy Valiant defeated Sir Oliver Humperdinck, and Greg Valentine fought to a double countout against Sweet Brown Sugar. Meanwhile, inside Toronto's Maple Leaf Gardens, some of the folks who worked earlier in Greensboro made their way to the show. Rudy Kay and Nick DiCarlo went to a 20-minute draw with Private Nelson and Tim Gerrard. Johnny Weaver, who was booking the Crockett Promotions talent and TV for local promoter Frank Tunney, beat Bobby Bass. The Destroyer Dick Byer defeated Terry Kay. Leo Burke fought Tony Parisi to a double countout. In a match sent from the WWF, Salvatore Belomo upset Ray Stevens by disqualification. Jay Youngblood and Ricky Steamboat beat Sergeant Slaughter and Don Cronoodle in a boot camp match. And NWA World Heavyweight Champion Ric Flair defeated Terry Funk who was substituting for Roddy Piper. On Monday, February 21st at Woodlawn Intermediate School in Hillsville, Virginia, Dizzy Hogan and Johnny Weaver defeated Gene Anderson and Larry Lane, Dory Funk Jr. defeated Sweet Brown Sugar, and Greg Valentine beat Mike Rotundo. Tuesday, February 22nd at the Southern Wayne High School in Mount Olive, North Carolina, Ricky Steamboat and Jay Youngblood defeated Dory Funk Jr. and Greg Valentine, Roddy Piper defeated Dick Slater, and Sweet Brown Sugar beat Private Nelson. Also on Tuesday in Kingstree, South Carolina, Mike Rotundo topped the Ninja, Jimmy Valiant beat the One Man Gang, and Sergeant Slaughter and Don Cronoodle defeated the Briscoe Brothers. And that takes us back around to the WPCQ studios in Charlotte, North Carolina. Here's where I would give you the official WWE Network preview of next week's show, but as you know, there isn't one, as the network is bereft of the episodes. But that's okay. Through the magic of videotape that's been converted to DVD, I will be reviewing the February 26, 1983 edition of Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling, which is only two full weeks away from the final conflict in Greensboro. As I mentioned earlier on, I invite you to follow us across our many forms of social media, Instagram, Facebook, 
but especially on Twitter, where I am the most active and interactive. Just search at MidAtlanticPod. I would really appreciate you following the show on YouTube, youtube.com slash MidAtlanticPod, and please consider supporting the show via Patreon. Just search patreon.com slash MidAtlanticPodcast. I also invite you to support all of the programs and content here on the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network. We don't condescend, and we are dedicated to preserving and accurately archiving the history of professional wrestling. And I'm proud that this show, produced by me, can be a part of that. I'm Mike Sempervivi. Take us home, Bob DeBartolabin and Uncle Bob Cottle. And we'll see you next week. And until then, so long for now. Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling has been furnished to this station for broadcast at this time by Jim Crockett Promotions in exchange for commercial consideration.